is the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast we have part 39 in our series on the Gospel of John. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 11 and the story where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Also we've got a few things coming up. Uh, we're, we're continuing our Monday night uh, gathering called The Table. Uh, it's Monday evenings. We have a dinner and a conversation around faith. Uh, and then also at Alan Judy LeBlanc's house in Covington on Wednesday nights, there's a video series they're going through. And we also are getting ready to have baptism service here in a couple of weeks. So if you're interested in that, get in touch with us and we'll get you on the list. For now, we're going to go ahead and head to the talk or sort of in your church downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Well, if this is your first time here, we've been going through the uh, Gospel of John for quite some time now. And, and today we come to really one of the um, coolest stories in the Gospel of John. I'm going to sit down. Um, it, it, it was... Out of all the miracles that Jesus had done, it's really kind of one of the, the most amazing miracles. We've, we, you know, the Gospel of John starts out with Jesus kind of doing like a party trick. You know, he turns water into wine. That was amazing. But then we see throughout the Gospel of John, the, the miracles just keep ramping up a little bit. Let me turn that down just a little. I'm, I'm hearing a, a slight feedback up here. Um, so Jesus turns water into wine. He heals people. Uh, he feeds the 5,000 by multiplying loaves and fishes. And so each miracle is just, it, it's ramping up the amazingness. And then in, in John chapter 9, we saw that, that Jesus heals a blind man. And people were like, we've never heard anyone heal a blind man. There were, there were you know, some people who succeeded in healing other things, but we've never seen blind eyes open. And so now we come to really one of the most spectacular stories uh, in the Gospel of John, which is the healing of Lazarus. Lazarus is actually raised uh, from the dead. So I'm going to kind of tell the story today rather than read it because it's a pretty long chapter. Uh, and and we're gonna, we may camp out on this chapter for a few weeks and draw a couple of things out of here uh, as we go. But I just want us to kind of be struck with the power of the story initially before we kind of uh, analyze it, so to speak. So you with me? You ready? Okay. Well, this is in uh, John chapter, you, you know, I may need somebody to give me one of, donate uh, their, their outline to me just so I can see. Tevia, uh, uh, thank you. It's a recurring theme here, isn't it? How are you going to take notes, Tevia? <laughs> it's all in your mind. Um, so this is in John chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 47 today. So basically, last week we stopped with, with Jesus has, has made some claims that have really angered a lot of people in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the one place on the planet where people want to kill Jesus right now because he, he's not only healed people, and, but he's broke the Sabbath. He's breaking the rules. He's breaking the law as he heals people. And then when they push him on explanations, he starts saying that he's God. <laughs> he starts saying, I'm one with the Father. I'm, I, I'm God. And so they, they, 
basically, at this point, they can't take what, you know, they, they can deal with Jesus as a prophet or deal with Jesus as just a teacher, but you start comparing yourself to God, it's just too much. And so they actually, it says in, in John chapter 10 that they, they picked up stones to, to throw at Jesus. And so you got this angry mob in Jerusalem that is, they've, they've had enough. They're ready to kill someone in the streets. But somehow, Jesus, as he is uh, famous for, sneaks through the crowd and, and gets away. And then they go over out into the wilderness beyond the land of the Jordan. This is where John the, Baptize, John the Baptist would uh, baptize people. And we saw that back at the uh, uh, beginning of John. So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples out in Jordan. And this is kind of a, a rural area. And people are much more friendly to him. And word gets sent to Jesus uh, from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus is really sick. He's dying kind of sick. And John makes a note in, in this chapter that this, this Mary of Mary and Martha, she's the one that, that you may have uh, read a story about, I think it's in, in the Gospel of Luke, where she anoints the feet of Jesus with, with perfume and wipes it off with her hair. And, and, and John says, this is that Mary. And so um, we, we see from the beginning of this chapter that, that Jesus has a special place, a special relationship with these people. Actually, uh, uh, an author that I really like named uh, Frank Viola, he wrote a, a book that just came out a, a week ago called God's Favorite Place on Earth. And, and uh, it's written from the perspective of Lazarus. And, and basically, he's saying God's favorite place on earth was Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home because he was just so welcomed there and so loved. And um, so this was that, that Mary... And so Jesus is real tight with, the, with these people. They're his friends. He loves hanging out at their house and, and having dinner and um, all that stuff. So Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that, that their brother is dying. And Jesus offers a statement. He says, this, this sickness is not going to end in death. It's, it's for God's glory so that the Son may be glorified through it. Now, these words that Jesus says right here, they're very reminiscent about what he said when, when, they, when they came up to the blind men on the side of the road. I don't know if you remember this a, a few months ago when we were talking about that. Um, the disciples say, Jesus, which, which, which person sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But actually, this guy's condition is, a, is a, uh, for the glory of God to be manifest. Like, we're gonna, God's going to show his glory through this. So, so Jesus kind of answers the same thing here. This situation, God's glory is going to come to pass in this. So in spite of Jesus' love for, for Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha, Jesus hears the news and says, ah, this isn't going to end in death. And then he stays there another couple of days. And so uh, after a couple of days, he says to his disciples, let's, let's go back to Judea. Now, Judea is basically the, the area of Jerusalem. And... Um, his disciples bring up the fact that, hey, isn't Judea the place where they were trying to stone us last week? Like, is that, is that a good idea? Like, we're, we're going into a hornet's nest if we go there. Like, like, maybe you can just do that thing where you just pray for him from a distance and he gets healed. That kind of miracle? How about that? <laughs> and uh, Jesus says, answer, he offers an interesting an answer here. He says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no life. Light. Now, this is 
Again, there's, there's a lot of parable, uh, uh, parallels between this and, and John chapter 9 where he heals the blind man because back when he healed the blind man, he offered a simil- similar explanation. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, I don't think that the disciples understood what he was saying on either of these occasions, but here's what I think Jesus was saying. I think Jesus is saying that I'm the light, and I'm here with you right now, and right now this light is heading over to Judea, (laughs) and it's better if you follow the light because if you stay back here, it's going to get pretty dark. Go where the light's going. And I think that one of these things that that we're going to notice a lot of times in the in the Gospel of John, when Jesus compares himself to light, the, the response is always follow. So the light is there so you don't stumble around in the darkness. You know, when I go into my son's room at night, I've said a, a, a few cuss words stepping on Legos in the dark. <laughs> Anybody with me? I'm going to be honest. Uh, it's a lot better when there's some light on, when you can see Legos, because Legos in the dark... They're so little and cute and colorful, and they can just bring out the worst in a pastor <laughs> under the right conditions. <laughs> so, so Jesus offers this explanation that, 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 that it's, it's daytime. It's, it's light. I'm the light of the world. It's light out here. Uh, so let's follow the light. And then he tells his disciples to further explain why they need to go to Jesus. He says, our friend Lazarus is asleep. And so the disciples say, well... If he's sleeping, he'll wake up. He'll get better. And, and Jesus was like, okay, guys, uh, I was just using figurative language there. He says, our, he, our, our friend Lazarus is actually dead. Actually, the truth is what we're going to find out here in a second is that Lazarus is already, he was probably dead by the time that the messengers even got to Jesus. Um, so Jesus goes on and he says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there when Lazarus died so that you may believe. So let us go to him. And Thomas, we, we've all heard of Thomas's kind of, Thomas gets a bad rap in the Gospels. He's doubting Thomas and stuff. And, and so Thomas gets his first line in the Gospel of John. And this is what he says. Let us also go that me, we may die with him. <laughs> Any Lord of the Rings plans in here? Uh, there, there's a line from Lord of the Rings, uh, a guy named uh, Gimli, the, 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 the uh, dwarf. He says, certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? Um, I, kind of, I kind of like to think of Thomas as the, the dwarf among the group. Um, I don't know if Thomas was saying this like, oh, great, like why don't we go and die with him? Or if he's like, let's just go storm the gates of hell kind of thing. But uh, that's what he said. Let us go there and that we can die with him. Um, so you can kind of pick up on the attitude that the disciples had. They, they're... You know, they're probably bummed that Lazarus is dead, but, like, why are we going back there for a guy that's dead? Like, what? I mean, it's kind of over. So Jesus arrives. They go over there, and they find that Lazarus has actually been dead for four days, and many people were comforting Mary and Martha. Now, if you go to a funeral nowadays, uh, I go to a lot of funerals in my line of work. Um, American funerals uh, are pretty reserved. Uh, we, you know, we, we kind of keep things a bit contained. Uh, there's crying and stuff. But back in this time, man, there was no denial of how sad it was. There was no, like, kind of repressing grief. 
they had grieving down. They would, they actually had a set time where you would, you would like spend a, a, a period of time in mourning, and that was expected. Like, like, like everybody in, in that culture and that society gave you permission to grieve. And so when you had somebody die in your family, not only would you grieve, but you would hire mourners. Like there were people who were paid to cry. Just paid to like show up and get sad. And you think you got a bad job, right? I guess if you're getting paid for it. But they, there were people who would be paid to show up at someone's house and just carry on. They would play sad music. They would just delve deep into the feeling of loss and, and just feel it. Oh, it's, it's bad that Lazarus is dead. And they would carry on for, for days, for weeks even. And so that's the scene when Jesus shows up. It's no like, you know, people just sitting around eating fried chicken, kind of telling stories. It's like, it's sad. And Jesus walks up into the midst of that. But Martha runs out to meet him. And Martha says, Jesus, if you'd have been here when Lazarus was sick, he wouldn't have died. But I know that God will give you anything you ask. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know he will rise again in the general resurrection on the last day. Martha thinks that Jesus is just saying the things that pastors say at funerals to comfort people. You know, like, he's in a better place. Things are going to be good. She's like, oh, yeah, I know, Jesus, thank you. I know he's going to rise on the final day. Uh, The Jews, most Jews at this time, they believed in a general resurrection that everybody would be raised on the final day, the day of the Lord. He would raise everybody to life. And so she's saying, oh, yeah, Jesus, I believe in that. And, And Jesus says this to her. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus is saying, look, the resurrection is here in the flesh. I'm standing right before you. I, I, I'm, I'm that. I'm that thing that, that, that's going to happen at the end of the time. I'm, I'm that, and I'm, 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 I'm here from the future in a sense. I'm, I'm, I'm here to do that. He says, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So at this point, we we see that that Jesus has called for Mary. And so Martha goes to get Mary. And Mary is like in the the house with all the mourners. And and she gets up very quickly to go see Jesus. And so all the mourners are like, where is she going? Is she going to the tomb? And they follow her outside. So now you've got this, this crowd that has gathered around Jesus of mourners, of family members, relatives from outside the city. So it's a large crowd. So whatever happens next is, 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 is kind of a big deal because it's not like a, a little private thing. And, and what we see next, and this is really one of my, my favorite uh, parts of this story, and we're probably going to dig into this a little in the next few weeks, so I won't get too much into it, but... Uh, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus, you know, I, I think a lot of times we get this view of Jesus like he's kind of detached. He's real spiritual, doesn't get his hands dirty. He's like, I'm Jesus. You know, he just kind of walks in on clouds and he's very serious and stoic. But Jesus, he, he sees these, these people who are grieving and sad and he just starts crying. He's moved with compassion. There's actually two Greek words that we see in, in these, these uh, paragraphs here. One, one actually denotes sadness, and the other is, is anger. 
And I think well, 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 what Jesus is getting, you know, it says that, uh, that he was moved in his spirit, but he was also troubled. And he says, where have you laid him? I, I think that, that at this point we're beginning to see that, that there's another enemy that's bigger than the Pharisees. There's another enemy that's bigger than Rome. So, so far in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus in, in confrontation with the religious powers that be. But I think this anger that Jesus has right now, it's not at Mary and Martha like, oh, I'm so angry. Why don't you have more faith? I'm here. You know, I got it. I think, I think Jesus is actually angry at death. He's, because death is the foe that he's, he's come to overthrow. He's going he's gonna to kick death's butt. And so I think he's angry to see what the, just the, the, he's coming face to face with the real enemy here. So Jesus says, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see. And again, we see that Jesus begins to weep. He's standing out near the tomb. The tomb, we think of tombs these days as, as, you know, you put someone in the ground or maybe one of those things you have here in New Orleans. What do you call those? Mausoleum. And uh, back in that day, it would have been like a cave, and they'd they'd have a stone rolled over it. And so uh, Jesus is standing out there, and he just begins to be overcome with emotion. This is his friend. He loves these people. And so the people looking at Jesus, they're like, dude, he really loves Lazarus. He's like, he's, he's tore up. But then other people were like, well, if he loves Lazarus so much, where was he? <laughs> How come he didn't come and rescue his friend? He healed a blind man, a random blind beggar by the side of the road that wasn't even asking to be healed. How come, how come he didn't come here for somebody that mattered so much to him? And so Jesus is once again deeply moved. He asked them to roll away the stone. Now, at this point, we, we get to kind of like uh, uh, some, some practical stuff going on here. <laughs> Martha is like, uh, Jesus, he's been in there four days. King James, I think, renders it, he stinketh. <laughs> Dead person, four, four days in a desert tomb. Not good. It's going to smell bad. And Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That little line tells me something. It tells me that Jesus has already been praying. Actually, now this this is my own theory here. I mean, it's a theory shared by some other people. Actually, I got it from them. Uh, But I kind of made it my own. (laughs) I really think what we've been seeing through the Gospel of John so often is that that Jesus continually brings us back to how he is at one with the Father. The Son only does what he sees the Father doing. And I'm convinced that the reason that Jesus didn't come when they asked for him was because he was praying. He was in relationship with the Father. And no matter how much it tore him up that Lazarus was dying, that, that he, was, he was praying. And God didn't, you know, the Father didn't say go yet. And so Jesus says, uh, I thank you, Father, that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. 
But he says, I've said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is actually, he's praying. I, I, I just, I imagine this crowd gathered around the tomb, people wondering, like, what is going to happen? <laughs> and Jesus is talking to God. And he's like, God, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you've always heard me. And he's not doing one of these quiet internal prayers that we do sometimes. And I'm saying this for the benefit of everybody listening so that they're going to know that, that you hear me and that you answer my prayers. And when he'd said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Says he said a loud voice. <laughs> Lazarus, come out of there. And the, the dead man, it says, he, he came out. Um, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So, you know, back in those days when you'd prepare a body for burial, I mean, you wrap it, Lazarus probably looked like a mummy or something. I mean, he's, he's wrapped in in bandages, he's got cloth over his head, and you know, he's, he's tied up, so he's probably kind of, you know, inching out. And then Jesus says, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. You think? <laughs> wow. Like, you, you, you think you're coming to a funeral, and you're actually coming to a resurrection. Think of that. Think about some of the funerals you've been to, where someone's been dead for a few days. I mean, think of, like, there were many of the Jews who came to visit Mary, who had seen what Jesus did and they believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. The chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. <laughs> we see the same old story happen again and again in the Gospel of John. Jesus does a miracle and he offends the religious people. They got to call a meeting. What are we going to do with him now? We can't have Jesus walking around raising dead people from the grave. This is, this is you know, uncalled for. Um, and we're going to get... There, there's more to this chapter as they meet. We'll get into that in the, the next couple of weeks. But, but understand that this is kind of, this is kind of the, this miracle is really, other than the resurrection of Jesus himself, this is kind of the high point of, of his earthly ministry. And this is the one miracle, raising a guy from the dead, that, that actually it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. They, the, what's going to happen after this is the, the Pharisees decide he's going to be a marked man. He's a fugitive. We're going to hunt him down and kill him. Because what they're beginning to see is that, that Jesus, uh, because he's not running away from them and because he continues to break their rules and because he, he's doing these miracles, they realize that he's a threat to their power. And not only their power now, they realize he's a threat to Rome. And so we're going to find at the end of this chapter that, that they, they're going to start getting scared that if Jesus really gets to power, Rome is going to come down on them. And so they're, 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 their thinking is it's better, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about this next week, that it's better that one guy dies for everybody than the Romans come and kill all the, the, the people of Israel because of insurrection, which the Romans were known for. So that's kind of the story. And I just want to pull out a few themes that, that we look at in this story. You know, the Gospel of John 
we started this, oh, a year and a half ago in chapter 1. Uh, and John tells us the end in the beginning. John kind of tells us what he's going to tell us. He, he lays out the themes that we're going to be looking at in the Gospel of John. And we've seen these themes over and over again. And they're present even in this chapter today. John 1, 1 through 5 says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. And without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, in this passage, he speaks of being the light. While it is light, the light is with you. It's daytime. And what is Jesus' first thing to tell them? He says, he reveals himself as the light, but he also says, follow the light. Our response to Jesus as the light is that we follow him. It, 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 that, that's the action that's called for. That God doesn't want us to walk around in darkness because Jesus is here. And wherever Jesus is, there's light. Have you noticed that, that they don't make flash darks? Right? Like darkness, darkness has no power, right? A flash dark, it's kind of like a flashlight. Actually, that's all we have around our house because Ezra runs the batteries down in all of them. Um, but darkness has, darkness has no power, right? There's nothing you can make that can create darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And Jesus, Jesus comes into the world as the light of the world. The world is in darkness like that song that we sang this morning. The world was so dark, a night without light, until you came along. Jesus is the light entering into the world. And the response is, follow the light. The other thing that we see throughout the Gospel of John, and even in this passage, is life. Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. Do you believe this? You know, this story, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor and it's not a metaphor. Uh, in a sense, I think this is one of those stories that, that just, that it speaks of, of, of Jesus' resurrection power, his power to resurrect things in our life that are dead. You ever had places in your heart that were just dead? Ain't nothing going to live there again. Maybe your hope just, just got your hopes crushed so many times. You're just like, it, it, it ain't going to work. It's dead. I'm, I'm dead to it. I, I think in a sense this story shows us that, that Jesus, he's in the business of, of resurrection life, bringing dead things to life. And so I think this, this story does function as a metaphor that, God can bring things in our life back to life. But, but the other side of this is, <laughs> it's not a metaphor. <laughs> it's a real story. <laughs> People were there. It was historical. It was an event that happened. Jesus didn't just figuratively raise a dead person from the grave. 
he raised an actual stinking dead, four dead day guy from the grave. Raised him back to life. I think what makes this miracle so astounding is that you know, Jesus had raised other people to de- uh, that were dead to life before, but they'd been dead like a couple of hours. This guy was like dead, dead. Like, they're, <laughs> like they had already wrapped him up and put him in the grave, dead. Jesus doesn't just metaphorically raise him to life. He actually raises him. Lazarus goes on to live a life after that. <laughs> How would you like to be that guy? <laughs> And what is the action that's called for in this? The action with the light is to follow the light. The action with this is to believe the resurrection. Jesus says, do you believe this, Martha? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will yet live. Do you believe that about me, Martha? And she says, yes, I believe that you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the one sent from heaven. So the, the, the response for us that is required on the revelation that Jesus is the resurrection is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection? Not just, uh, well, I mean, metaphorically, do you believe that Jesus can bring things to life in your life? But I think the thing, you know, as we celebrate, I, I said at the beginning of this service today, we're celebrating the birthday of the church, the big church, big C. 2,000 years ago, day of Pentecost, the, the church was born. But, but you know the thing that united, that you can see all the way back to the beginning, you know that one of the core beliefs is the belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the belief that Jesus would one day raise us from the dead. What happened to Lazarus, what happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to us. Not just like we'll drift away and be these little you know, spirits, you know, angels playing harps on clouds, but, but we will be raised from the dead. Physical bodies in a new heaven, new earth, new creation. That's what have united Christians throughout the ages. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Do you believe in his plans to resurrect you? Follow the light. Believe the resurrection. And the final thing that we see that is that Jesus is the word. Uh, this is one of the biggest um, things that we see in the gospel of John Jesus is the word made flesh Jesus is the word that was with God that that created everything Jesus was that creative word that brought the whole universe and everything in it into existence but Jesus is also the word in a sense of his authority so uh, I find that I, I think one of the things we can see about Jesus is that whatever Jesus does is the word of God. Yeah, like, like oftentimes we, we almost elevate this book above Jesus. And, and, and the Pharisees did too. They said, and Jesus said, look, you search the scriptures. You know the scriptures better than anybody, but you fail to see that I'm the point of the scriptures. You fail to see God in front of your face. Jesus is the word that is bigger than the story. He's the word that created everything, and he has a, an authority that's even greater than Scripture itself. And so when we see Jesus speaking, he's speaking on the authority of God. He's speaking the word of God, the word that had, has the power to create, to resurrect, uh, to, to, to bring forth new creation. So Jesus speaks... And life comes forth. Jesus speaks, Father, 
I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he speaks in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, he's speaking that same creative word of God that started this whole thing in the beginning. What is our response called for the revelation that Jesus is the word of God? It's trust. Can we trust that the words of Jesus are the word of God? Can we trust that the words of Jesus will, will, are, are words of life? You know, Jesus tells his disciples before he lives, he's like, live in my words. Live in my teachings. Trust your life to them. Because if you do, you're truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Freedom comes by living in the words of Jesus. Saturate. You know that? I, I've got a friend. I, I'm going to tell you a story. There's a friend of mine who, who's a pastor at a, a large church. And, and we've been on a journey together for years and kind of coming at the same things. But, but at his church... Uh, you know, several years ago, they pretty much just did topical things every week. You know, like seven, seven steps to a successful life. Uh, how to, you know, just, just that kind of topical stuff. But he's kind of been where I've been over our past few years. We've been doing our journey together, and we've just both been feeling like, you know, let's just talk about Jesus. And he told me the other day, he goes, you know, we've been doing this, just talking about Jesus for a while. You think people are still going to show up on Sundays if all we talk about is Jesus? Like, you think they're going to... And I said, you know, I think so. I hope so. That, that's, that's why we've been in the Gospel of John for so long. It's like, let's just look at Jesus. Because... His words, they're the only words that matter. His life is the only life that matters. You can find out seven, seven steps to a successful business or a successful marriage or successful this and that. But without the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, you can be as dead as anything else. Even if you got scripture to back it up. Jesus. We look at him. It changes us from the inside out. Only his words can set us free. Only his words can take a broken life and make it whole again. Only his words have the power to, to, to raise things that were dead and hopeless and broken back to life again. Can you trust yourself to the words of Jesus? Can you trust his words in your life? I tell people this all the time. I say this up here. You know, I, Jesus, and people ask, do I believe the Bible? Yes, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. But more than the Bible being the Word of God, Jesus is the Word of God. And we've got to realize that Jesus is the Word of God even more than this. Because if you don't realize that Jesus is the Word of God that, that was sent into our world to show us what the Word of God is, then you're going to get a lot of things backwards in here. You're going to look at stuff that doesn't look like Jesus or try to, try, try to come up with things that have nothing to do with Jesus and, and you'll have scriptures to back them up because the Bible says some crazy stuff here and there. But Jesus is the point of the story. He is the Word. He is the Word incarnate, the Word made flesh. 
And every time we read this Bible, whether it's Genesis or Revelation, we got, we got to keep coming back to Jesus. Okay, I'm going to look through the lens of Jesus, and, and Jesus will give me the grid on how to view this thing. Because if you don't start with Jesus, you can end up with some crazy stuff. There's people on TV that come up with crazy stuff all the time. They make my job hard. <laughs> Jesus is the Word. He's the light. He's the life. This morning, we're going to kind of do something a little, well, it's not really different. We do a lot of kind of closings where we get a little reflective. And I just want to, to close by just kind of reflecting on, on, on these three aspects of Jesus that are revealed in the Gospel of John and revealed in this story. And, and we're going to look on, on our own lives. And we're just going to ask for the Holy Spirit to, to lead us to Jesus in these things. We're going to ask that, that God would, would bring life into our lives. I know there's some of you in here today, you, you've, you've given up hope in some places. You've given up, you've just, you just given up. Like, like, not, like, like nothing good could happen here. Today, today, let, let's, let's hear the words of Jesus. Let's hear the words of life. Why don't you close your eyes? We're just going to pause for a moment of reflection. morning I want you to imagine a, a very dark place I want you to ask yourself what part of your life is dark what part of your heart is dark it's hidden Know this this morning that, that Jesus will forgive you of your sins. Whatever you've done, there's nothing, there, there is absolutely nothing that you've done that, that, that will keep you from Him. But He wants you to walk into the light. I want you to see Jesus now as the light shining in the darkness. And see if you can just commit to following after that light. Jesus, I will follow you into the light. This morning I want us to imagine being at a funeral As you reflect on what a funeral brings, the, the, just the, the sense of loss, grief, 
Ask yourself, what part of your life is dead? What part of your life just feels like it, it ain't coming back? It's over. Can you believe that Jesus has the power to bring life into this? Can you believe that he is the resurrection this morning? Can you believe? Jesus hates death. That's the one thing that he hates. And he wants to breathe life into you this morning. Can you believe in Jesus is the resurrection? Finally, I want you to imagine getting lost in the woods, and it's getting dark. You've lost the trail. Everything looks the same. Think about what part of your life feels like that, where you just feel lost, confused. You lost the plot. You don't. You just don't know where you are with things. And as you feel that, imagine hearing a voice calling out to you. Someone in the forest who is calling your name. And they keep calling until you can, 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 can find your way out of, of where you're at. And this is what it means for Jesus to be the word of God to you. You can trust the voice of Jesus. You can trust the words of Jesus. He wants you to be free. This morning, I want to invite a few of the people from our prayer team down here to the front. I just feel like there's some people in here you could just really use some prayer today. Really use some people to agree with you. Sometimes it's just a powerful thing to have somebody else stand with us where we're at and call upon Jesus together. Just don't let fear keep you from that. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer and then if you feel like, you know, this morning I just need someone to agree with me. I, I, I believe Jesus, but help my unbelief. I, I believe that he's the resurrection, but God, this thing's been dead so long. So if you need someone to agree with you, just to pray with you, just to join with you in this, I want you to come down here in a minute. I'm just going to close this with a word of prayer. Why don't you stand up? Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus, for being the resurrection. God, we thank you that, that when things seem, when we seem so helpless, when things seem so hopeless, Lord, it just takes but a word from you. God, this morning, we just want to commit to following you as the light that illuminates our path, God. Lord, where there's areas where we've just been trying to figure things out on our own today, we, we look to you, God. We look to you. We follow you. We choose to follow you and no one else, Lord. We follow you, Jesus. Lord, today we believe in your resurrection. Your resur- we believe in you as the, this life that, 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 that brings life out of death, Lord. We believe you have the power to do that. We believe that, that your presence in our life makes beautiful things out, out of those things that have been dead and dark and broken, God. We believe you're the resurrection. And Lord, this morning we trust you as the word. We trust you, God. We trust our lives to the words of Jesus, to your continuing words in our lives, God, our relationship with you. We thank you that you have the authority to speak life, to speak freedom. We follow, we believe, and we trust you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray.